Welcome to the Divorce Survival Guide podcast, where we have open and honest conversations about co-parenting, separation, divorce, and the hardest question of all, should you stay or should you go? I'm Kate Anthony, your Divorce Survival Guide, and I'm here to help you navigate some of the roughest waters you've ever swum in and answer some of your toughest questions. I've been to hell and back, and now it's my mission in life to help you get to the other side of this process with your sanity and your heart intact. Hey everyone, welcome back to another episode of the Divorce Survival Guide podcast. How's everyone doing? Today, I have the honor of interviewing uh, Dr. Donald Gordon. I love, love, love Don Gordon. We spoke uh, a few months ago because he wanted to tell me about his online parenting education program. And you know how when you get divorced in many states, they make you take these parenting or co-parenting classes, and it's sort of one of the mandates and we talk about this a lot in our Facebook group where people have gone to these, these classes and have been traumatized, literally traumatized, because the very first thing these classes do is tell you why and how divorce is terrible for children and basically how you're making the worst decision of your life. Now, this infuriates me because, number one, it's not true. Um, the research does not support that. Number two, when you get to the end of your divorce process and the very last thing that you have to do is take one of these co-parenting classes, like you have already been through the ringer. You're at the very end of the process. You have already turned yourself inside out. You have spent hours and months and sometimes years agonizing over this decision. You've gone through the decision. You've filed. Sometimes you've litigated. You've mediated. You've spent, you know, thousands of dollars. And then the very last step you have to go into a classroom and hear someone talk about how what you're doing is wrong. I'm sorry. <laughs> go fuck yourself. That's my um, clinical response to that. So in response to that, Don Gordon created an amazing program that you can take instead of the ones that are that are mandated um, by many states. So um, that's why I love him, and that's why I love the work that he does. So Dr. Donald Gordon has a PhD in clinical child psychology. He's currently employed by Family Works and its president and is director of the Center for Divorce Education. You'll also you might have noticed that Center for Divorce Education is a current sponsor of the podcast. They're actually sponsoring this, this episode. And you know that I don't work with sponsors that I don't, um, whose work I don't support. 
so obviously I support this work. Uh, he's an emeritus professor of psychology from Ohio University, where he was employed for 23 years, training doctoral students in family interventions and conducting research, evaluating family and parenting interventions that he refined or developed. The programs Dr. Gordon refined were functional family therapy, and he developed the Children in Between, formerly Children in the Middle program, and the Parenting Wisely online parenting training programs. Uh, I love this man. I love what he has to say. The first time we had gotten into a conversation, it was one of those that we almost didn't couldn't stop. <laughs> so without further ado, here is my interview with Dr. Donald Gordon. Don Gordon, thank you so much for coming on to talk to us about your program on the Divorce Survival Dad podcast. Oh, you're welcome, Kate. I'm looking forward to it. So why don't you just first give us a little overview of what this course is, who needs it, why we, why everybody <laughs> needs it, which is my, that's my personal opinion. Everybody needs it. Yeah. So yeah, give us a little overview of it, if you would. Well, I did some research, um, um, you know, several decades ago on uh, interviewing children of divorce and college students whose parents are divorced and learned what were the most difficult things for them about that divorce, you know, their parents. And based on that, I developed a program for parents to try to prevent some of these, you know, really bad things from happening. Mm -hmm. uh, so it's based upon what college students were saying they wished their parents had done differently or that it was horrible they got exposed to this. And so I got developed that and then developed an in-person class. Uh, There's one of the first in the country. This is back around uh, 1990, one of the first in the country. And this started being used heavily and, and courts started ordering it. And but when I started, there was maybe only one or two courts in the country that required divorcing parents to get a co-parenting class. And in a period of about five or six years, that mushroomed to over half the courts in the country. So pretty quick change. And then, then oh, probably about eight years ago, we put the course online to make it more available to parents so they can do it from anywhere and they don't have to go to an in-person class. And particularly with COVID, you know, they don't right, be in a room with a bunch of people. Sure. No, of course. And I think that, you know, like most things or like many things, COVID has, has changed the way we do things and not, not all things are going to go back. <laughs> right. Yes. Yes. And I have a feeling this may be one of those, one of those things yes. that stays online. Um, what were some of the, just out of curiosity, what were some of the things that you heard from these kids that you interviewed and these surveys that you did? Well, one of the things, you know, one of the things is, uh, losing a parent. The, uh, even, even kids who, for instance, didn't know, never knew their fathers. They're right after the mothers gave birth, the parents split up or it was, uh, they never lived together or they were never a couple. It's a one night stand and mom, mm -hmm. mom got pregnant. Even, even those kids, they found if they, if they never had contact with their fathers, they never got over that. Every time Christmas, their birthday came along, holidays came along, they kept on waiting for that phone call or a letter from their father. And it always hurt. This That's is somebody tragic. they didn't know. Sure. And right. In spite of, inside of my mom, she remarried, and had, you know, loving stepfather, had aunts and uncles, that helps, but it still didn't erase that. So we found, we found out that. So you know, is there some way we can prevent a parent from dropping out of a children's life? Same thing when the mother 
mother leaves and, and goes away and doesn't have contact with the kids. That, that's tremendous rejection. So that was one. And that's, that's kind of a, not surprising. What we found out that was a little more surprising was that parents would involve their children in loyalty conflicts where they would demand the child's loyalty to them and not the other parent. Yes. Huge and problem. Huge problem. It's a huge, huge problem. Mm -hmm. And it was so painful. And some other researchers in, in California identified that as the most damaging, damaging part of the divorce, where when you, when you do something to please one parent, then you displease the other parent. So you can't win. It's a no win situation. Yeah. And even in situations where I know in like custodial situations where the alienation, right? If you're, if a kid lives with custodial parent and has only visits or even monitored visits with the other parent, the other parent can demand the loyalty, which then creates a rift and an alienation with the custodial parent who is the like the stable parent, right? But if at uh -huh. any time a child feels like they are, you know, like loving one parent comes at, at comes up with a price, right? right? There's a price tag on that, right? It's just, yeah. oh, it's awful, awful. Yes. Sorry, totally sidebarred, but yeah. <laughs> so yeah, we discovered that that was horrible, and then well, then when we looked into it further, we found out in most cases parents were unaware that they were doing that. Uh-huh. You know, they were unaware they're putting the children, you know, you know, it's a parent that doesn't want to talk to the other parent. So they'll ask the child to relay messages quite innocently. They, they figure they're doing the child a favor because they're going to spare the child hearing an argument mm -hmm. between the two parents. Yeah. So qu quite often it's, it's well-intentioned. Tell your dad this or tell your mom this. And, and if it's an emotionally loaded thing that the, the other parent, the listening parent is hearing something they don't want to hear, they're going to probably blow up in front of the child. Yeah, right, right. Yes. And like to kill the messenger, you get angry with the child. Yeah. And there's, and there's that like, tell the, like, uh, in terms of the unintentional, right? I also hear a lot of people are like, well, they should, the kids should know because it's the truth, right? Whether it's yes. like, what you did want, you did have an affair. We should tell the kids that you were the one who had the affair because that's true. Right. I think that sometimes they genuinely believe that, yes. <laughs> right? Yeah. But that's not, that's harmful to children. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And it's so like, you know, you can use that. They need to know the truth about anything. Do you, do you really, do you, do you really want your children exposed to all the horrible truths in the world? Do you want to show them on TV shows about child abuse or sexual abuse? You want them to see that because that's reality. No, you want to protect your children from that. So you don't apply that to your relationship with your ex. Right, exactly. They should know the truth. I mean, you, yes. you gotta, what are your what are your what are your motives for saying that? Right. You know, chances are your your motives are to make the child to lose respect for that parent mm -hmm. and to feel closer to you and to feel more distant from the other parent. Yeah. Right. Or just to let the kids know, right? Like, I didn't want this. I, I didn't. Right. I, I didn't right. want this. I'm not the bad parent. Right. right. And when it gets to the point of telling kids there's no good or bad. All of that has should be sorted out, right? Mm -hmm. This is just, this is, you tell, you have to tell them, you have to be unified, even if you don't feel unified, right? Even if, yes, right. Ugh, it's hard and it's hard. And I get the impetus, right. To be like, oh, I didn't want this at all, but not helpful. Yeah. 
Yeah, not particularly, you know, the kids. parents, you know, feel that they, you know, and, and it's usually, it's it's rarely the, the case that both parents equally want a divorce. It's usually, there's a lever and a levy, mm-hmm. and, you know, the person being left feels powerless, and they, 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 they wanted to keep the family together, and they're angry, they're sad, and they want the children to know that they wanted the family to stay together. It wasn't their idea. That's understandable. Yes, but totally. But you're not, you're dealing with your child. You're not dealing with a friend where you want them to understand from your point of view. Right. Yeah. Your point of view isn't necessarily in the best interest of your child. Yes. Right. Yeah. yeah. And when you mentioned affair, that's, that's particularly hard when affair, because it's a betrayal of trust and the, the person's devastated when they find out about that their partner had an affair and they're, you know, they, they, they can't believe that somebody they loved and trusted would do this to be this, such a hurtful thing. And they know that, well, if this person has betrayed my trust, they can betray my child's trust too. They can hurt my child. I need to warn them about what kind of person their other parent is. They, with, with good intentions, they may tell them, you need to know that you can't trust your mom or you can't trust your dad because they don't honor their promises. Right. But that's, again, <laughs> not helpful. Uh, right. No. Yeah. And I think we, what we forget in those cases is that children, in particular, younger children, really believe themselves to be half of mom and half of dad. Exactly. So if you're saying that dad's not trustworthy, you're saying I'm not trustworthy. And there, we instill terror and fear and sort of isolation and abandonment, all of these things with these conversations yeah. that are inappropriate. Yeah, yeah, that's exactly true. They, they identify, you know, half of the mom, half of the dad. And so any criticism of either parent applies to them. Yeah. The parents don't realize that. Yeah. So when they're criticizing the other parent for being thoughtless or being selfish, child's thinking, I'm selfish too. I'm just like my mom or I'm just, particularly if they look like, you know, if they look like, a lot like that parent being criticized. Absolutely. So you guys, so you developed this, this, parenting course, right? Yes. The Center for Divorce Education. So it's a, right, a program for, for people who are divorcing. And I know that I hear a lot of horror stories from clients and people in my Facebook group that will talk about the horror of, and the, the sort of trauma actually of taking some of these court mandated courses where the first half of it is all about why getting divorced is a bad thing for your kids. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you've right. heard about, you've heard about these ones, yes. right? Oh yes. So let's, for, let's establish that this is your, your program is not one of those, right? This is not, which is why we're having this conversation. Right. Cause my, my people would know that about me. What do you know about those programs and, and the States that mandate them? Are there options? Do people have to take that one? Yeah, and so the states that um, you know, the counties that mandate these programs, that they, yeah, they usually there's usually one program, one curriculum. Sometimes there's several providers who did in-person class, but usually one, and they pretty much teach the same curriculum. And and the parents are stuck, and it's really difficult if you're if you're hearing a lot about basically you made you made a bad decision that's going to hurt your children forever. Then people get defensive. You know, I would get defensive and your ability to hear other useful information is going to be impaired because you're defensive. So you're, you're, you're shutting down. You're not, you know, you're not liking what you're hearing, instilling all sorts of thoughts. So, you know, you don't want to put people in a defensive position right off the bat before you try to teach them something useful. And most of these courses, 
are just giving information. They're not teaching mm. skills. And, and my view is if you're going to go to a, a parenting class, the point of it is to, when you come out of it, is to have some better ways of parenting and co-parenting so your behavior changes and improves. And if just giving people information is not enough to do that. You need actually yes, teach them skills. Yes, absolutely. So, and the majority of programs are not do not teach skills. So they're just getting information. You're hearing information for three or four hours. And I don't know, you've been to comp, you know, presentations where you're, it was a really good presentation. And a week later, you don't remember much at all of it. So our, our memories, th that kind of presentation doesn't stick right. with people. So they don't remember it and they don't learn skills. So you, you wonder what, what good did it do? To have to go through well, that. and also how much harm did it do, right? I mean, when you get divorced, you have probably gone through years of agonizing over the decision. You've turned over every stone. You've worked so hard. You've turned mm -hmm. yourself inside out. You finally at the end of the process and like the last step is, well, we got to take this parenting class and you go through the class and it tells you that everything you're doing is wrong. <laughs> I mean, like, how is that helpful? Yeah. Right. I mean, it's and yeah. it's so it's not just like I don't. I, I feel like it's not even just defensive. It's like it's triggering. It's probably traumatizing for people. Yeah. And I, I what what we do is we show scenes, you know, like five different scenes where parents are unintentionally uh, involving their kids mm -hmm. in loyalty conflicts, mm -hmm. and that they see uh, parents, you know, the actors and. The kids and kids and adults who are actors in this, they see these scenes, which are very realistic, and they see these other parents do it, and they realize that that wouldn't be in the program unless it was pretty right. common. So e even though it says, you know, you shouldn't do this, and here's how to do it better, they're also getting the message that this is commonly done. You know, you're you don't need to beat yourself up. You're, you're now you have now that you know the impact has on the children. Now yes. you can do things differently. Yes. So yeah, it, it, we want people to be open to changing and not mm -hmm. be defensive and to not, not beat themselves up, say, and, and to leave the program with hope that things can be better. I have some ideas now and some skills to make things better for my kids and make things more peaceful in my relationship with my ex so that we both, both don't end up stressed out and stressing yes. our children out. Yes. So, okay. So what are the most important skills, right? We're talking about the difference between just sort yes. of, you know, being given information and actually building learning skills. So what are the most important skills that co-parents need to use with each other? Okay. One, probably the, what parents tell us is the most useful skill is the, the I message uh, or I statement. And that's when you have a problem with what the, your, your ex is doing and you have some feelings about it. Instead of criticizing their character and starting off blaming them, which is attempting to do, you state your feeling about what it is that mm -hmm. they did. I was really worried when, when, you, when you didn't show up to return the kids on time. I was worried there was an accident. So you state your feeling. And then the next step is then you state what you would like to see improved. Next time, if you're going to be late, I'd like you to call me so I don't worry. And when you use an iMessage, the other person is not likely to get defensive because you're not criticizing their character. You're just stating your feeling. And you know your feelings, and they can't really disagree with that. So they're more likely to listen to that and respond appropriately than if you blame them. So that's the most useful skill, I think, in the program. Talk. We show all, lots of different contexts where that's not. We even teach kids to use iMessage with their parents. Well, I mean, I just think that's actually one of the most important life skills, 
right? Like yes. in communication, in any situation, <laughs> that's, mm-hmm. that's a key. Absolutely. Yeah, that is a, and, and parents tell us that these skills use, they use it you know, with their family members, with their neighbors, with their employee uh, at work, with their coworkers. They find these skills really useful. Like you said, a life skill. Yeah. Another one is, um, is, is active listening where it's, it's, it's a skill to be a good listener. Yeah. Where you're basically listening to what the other person is saying and you're not getting ready to counterattack or to get your comeback. You're actually listening to what they're saying. You take them seriously. You make good eye, eye contact. And then, then you reflect what you heard. So if they got it wrong, if you got it wrong, they can tell you, mm-hmm. but you reflect what they heard. That's the essence of a really close relationship is, is when the other person listens, really listens to you. You feel like they care. And when, when we have intimate relationships, we look for that. We look for somebody who really listens to us. And when people, you know, if you're a good listener, people will tell you that. People flock to you if you're a good listener. Yeah, yeah. Kate, you're a good listener. So it's, you know, <laughs> so it's, you know, you know, it's, and, you know, it's really, it's really pleasant to be sitting with somebody who's a good listener. We've yeah. all been with people who they spend the whole time talking and they don't ever listen to you. That's not so pleasant. So that's a, that's a, uh, another skill. Uh, another skill that we go get into is called stop, look, and listen. So when you start to get triggered, and I'll go into what that means in terms of neuroscience, but okay. when you start to get triggered, <laughs> we, t- we, we teach people to stop before you start, start getting too wound up, to look at all your options for responding. You know, what are the diff- all the different ways you could respond to this situation? Hmm. And then to listen to your better nature and pick a response. Mm, mm, I love so that. So you basically, you know, listen to your better nature, you know, and, and, and we've all had interactions with exes where we really wish we hadn't said what we said. And it wasn't our better nature speaking. Totally. So <laughs> this, this way is a reminder that we basically, we're teaching people to slow the process down. Yes. When you're, when you're having an interaction with your ex and you're, you're, you're getting tense, even in, in anticipating the interaction, you're getting tense. What's going on in your, in your brain is that your amygdala, which is a part of our more primitive brains, the fight or flight response, that gets activated. And when the amygdala is activated, the, the, the neocortex, which is our problem-solving, thinking, reasonable, compassionate part of our brains, that doesn't get through. The messages from the neocortex don't get through when your amygdala is activated. Right, and that's... And that's a, that is a sort of a, like you said, it's a primitive response because it actually saved our lives at certain points, right? It's the part of our brain that when we step off of a curb and a truck is coming, doesn't stop to think about whether it would be a good idea to step back on the curb. It has you act, right? And so it's a life-saving part of our brain that works (laughs) over on overdrive when we don't necessarily need it to, right? That 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 example you just gave me. I had a perfect about twenty years ago. I was at a conference in Chicago, and I was step starting to step off the curb, and I was with a bunch of conference attendees, and somebody yelled, "Look out!" And I leaped back, and in a, a half a second later, a car went zooming right by. I would have been killed. Wow! And and and, yeah. and you know, I just I just that's a part of my brain. I want that to work. Right. We do want it to work. Right. (laughs) We want it to work in appropriate times. Right. Right. But when we get triggered and we feel unsafe, 
it also emotionally unsafe. It also, yes. it also works. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. And so we, you know, we, we can learn to discriminate between those situations where it's really life threatening and, and it's not life threatening and we need to get our neocortex involved. And we teach parents uh, some ways of doing that. We teach them, for instance, pay attention to your bodies. When you're, when you're starting to feel tension in your neck and shoulders and in your hands, it's a sign you may be angry or stressed. And, and then what you, what you then say to your ex may not be the best. So we teach you when you, your body is telling you you're feeling stressed, that means your amygdala is active. Then there's a few steps you can take, and one of them is this works really well as some slow, deep breaths. Mm-hmm. Take three or four deep breaths, and that has an amazing calming effect. Yeah. It may take some people longer than others. It's also, at that point, it's also good to don't assume the motives of your ex. Don't assume their motives. You don't know what their motives are. You might think you can guess it correctly, but don't assume negative motives. Yes. And what, the worst fights are when we're, we're talking with somebody and they're accusing us of having a negative motives when we don't. And it's yes. very hurtful when that happens. Mm-hmm. Yes. So, so we, we tell people to take a deep breath and then start to do things like don't assume negative motives. You know, look at what your options are. Continue to breathe, you know, breathe comfortably. And then, then make a statement and make an mm-hmm. I statement or reflect what the other person's saying. And then, you, you know, you can do some real problem solving. How does this work in, in, in reality, right? Because you're not, you're not sitting there going, hold on. <laughs> I mean, maybe you are, right? Hold mm-hmm. on. I have to, I know that when I was, you know, when we were first starting couples therapy a bazillion years ago with my ex-husband, I had to walk around the block. Like I had to leave the house to have all of that happen, (laughs) right? Because it takes a while as you're reframing and retraining your brain, right? It it takes a minute. Yes, And sometimes you may need to leave the house and take a walk around the block, right? Like it doesn't happen in an instant. Exactly. And that's appropriate to do that. If you're on the telephone, say, I got to sync something through. Let me call you back in five minutes. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And, And particularly if they've had experience with you that, after they, after you take a break and then you come back that you're more pleasant to deal with, then they're going to be happy that you did that. Yes. You know, they, they're not going to argue with you about cutting the call short to take a, right. taking a break. So take the time that you need. Mm-hmm. Don't, don't, don't be rushed into anything. The more you get, the, the better you get at observing yourself and seeing, seeing how you're reacting, the quicker that process to, to recover becomes. Totally. So you can even do it by, you know, when you're taking it, when you're taking a deep breath, put your hand over your heart to give yourself some, mm-hmm. some loves, mm-hmm. you know, to take to pat yourself, that you're, tell yourself you're a good person, so to calm yourself down. There's things you can do that will work and you take the time. One of the things we, this is a, a course that teaches mindfulness, where we're teaching people to pay attention to the present moment on purpose. Mm. And to be good at observing yourself, observing your thoughts, observing your feelings, observing your body, and to take a step back and to watch yourself. You know, I was in the, the, the grocery store the other day and, you know, and, and, and trying to get out of the line because people with COVID, you don't want people getting too close to you. Mm-hmm. And there was somebody in front of me who was paying and they're, they're counting out coins out of their, out of their, <laughs> out of their purse, you know, slowly yeah. counting out all these coins. And I felt, like saying, my mother? <laughs> I felt like saying, can I just pay for this? Put it on my tab. I'm in a hurry. <laughs> you know, I'm sitting there, I'm sitting there getting more and more frustrated because I was in a hurry. Yeah. 
and, but but I, I was able to I was able to notice that I'm getting being impatient. Mm-hmm. And so I'm, I'm telling myself, you're feeling impatient. You know, you're being impatient is not going to help anybody. The person in front of you is going to feel self-conscious. The cashier is going to feel tense because you're tense. So do everybody a favor and just mellow out. So I took, took, I took some deep breaths. So it's one of the things that I've, you know, I've learned to do a lot of times is to observe myself and say, okay, do you really want to keep doing this, being impatient? Or if I'm stuck in traffic and somebody's going real slow in front of me, you know, uh, you know do you really want to lay on your horn? Yeah. I live in a town in which nobody, nobody ever honks their horn. Oh, wow. How so lovely. It's, so it's so nice. It's quiet, you know. Wow. But it's, I used to, I, I learned to drive in New York and that's how you Me too. Me too. Exactly. I was going to say, I grew up in New York and I live in LA. Like, I don't even, this is not computing with me. Right. Right. So, 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 it's, uh, so it's a real change to go from driving yeah. on the East Coast to coming to Ashland, Oregon, where people don't honk. Right. So, but again, yeah. you know, it, it, it get, helps me get in the habit of observing myself. And in our program, we're teaching people how to, you know, mindfully observe themselves in their reaction. Because then you have a chance of, of controlling what it is you're putting out mm-hmm. when, you, when you can observe you, you, when you step back. Right. What do you say, what are some skills that you would give someone who is really kind of fighting this battle um, alone, right? Someone mm-hmm. who they're doing this program, they're doing your course, they're, they're learning these skills and their partner is not, not interested. Yes. Right. Their co-parent yes. is not interested. <laughs> can one person, can just one person do this? Yeah, that's a very good question. And, and we periodically, we get parents fill out a survey at the end of the course and we get to hear their responses. And, and quite a few say, I do all these things and my ex doesn't, doesn't respond, doesn't, is not cooperating as, as being, you know, I do say all the right things, I messes and we still have conflict. And the, the answer is yes, you can, one person can make the changes. It, it, it may take a while before the other parent notices that their partner has changed, their ex-partner has changed. But the uh, biggest reason for doing, making the changes is, is you're doing the right thing. You're setting a really good example for your kids. You're, right. you're showing and that's, your that's children. That's everything. That's everything. Yes. Yeah. You're showing your children what respectful communication looks like, what self-control looks like, what being aware of yourself looks like, and you know, t- taking the high road, what that looks like. Yeah. And they're, you're, we're role models for our kids, and it has a huge effect on their behavior. So that's I would that's probably the best reason to to make these changes. Yeah. Yeah, and you know, we hear so many people say that they they question whether they should whether they should divorce because of their kids and they want to stay in their marriage for their kids, but you know, at the end of the day they realize that probably what they're teaching them within the marriage is so toxic that mm-hmm. you know, it's better if they leave and the it, the research bears out that even if only one person is doing this work is mm-hmm. creating a not even if the other other household is toxic still toxic mm-hmm. you're making all the difference for your kids by creating like they only need one not toxic home they only need right. one home with emotional intelligence and all of yes, these skills exactly for them the to research, learn it yeah and the research shows that if if parenting skills are good with one parent and, and the child 
that that's, that's good enough to help them develop in a healthy manner. It doesn't have to be both parents that have good parenting skills or good cooperation skills. One parent is sensitive and is uses good parenting skills and the child's chances of being well-adjusted are, are, are much better. Mm. So it, it, you know, like you said, just one parent is, is, is good enough. Now, later on, the other parent may come around after they've gotten over, the, if they've accepted the divorce or they, they've gotten an, into a new relationship and now they're happy again, then, then they may come around and, and start communicating better. But you've laid, if you've laid the groundwork for six months or a year of showing respectful communication and they weren't, then later on they come around, they're going to remember that you treated them with respect and, and they're going to, they're going to, they're going to have some trust in you to be a decent human being. And mm-hmm. that's going to help your kids. That's going to help the relationship with them. And it takes people, some people quite a while to accept the finality of their divorce. Yes. And I, this is something I talk to my clients about all the time is that the worst time, you know, we're making the biggest legal, I say this all the time, we're making the biggest legal and financial decisions of our entire lives in the middle of the biggest, biggest emotional upheaval of our entire lives. And it's a terrible combination. And we've got to let the dust, the emotional dust settle before we start yeah. making these other big decisions. And, and sometimes this is exactly why, right? If we yeah. don't let the emotional dust settle, this kind of contention and, and this fighting would like could, could lead you straight through litigation, yes. right? Just take some time. People, people do their emotion. The emotional heat does cool off for the most part. And if it doesn't, there's like probably personality disorders involved. And yeah, right. Well, well, there's, um, yeah, the emotional heat does cool off, you know, after a year for most people, it it cools off. There's a really good book that's, that describes this process and how, what people can do to help themselves get through this and move on and, and we get to a point of forgiveness and, and, uh, more acceptance of what's happened. It's called the good karma divorce. Oh, and it's cool. written by a former judge in Cook County, Michelle Lawrence. Oh, okay. She's now a mediator for high conflict couples, but it's a really good book. The good karma divorce. It'll, it'll you know, tremendous ideas. She brings in all sorts of uh, different philosophies, Eastern philosophies. She quotes Thich Nahan, the Dalai Lama. And she's, she has a tremendous track record in 15 years of using these methods and talking to divorcing parents. And she's dealing with people who they're going to litigate, you know, everything else has failed. Mediation has failed. They're going to litigate. Mm-hmm. She does pretrial conferences with them. And in 15 years, she's had every case settled. No case is going to trial. Wow. That's how good it is. That's amazing. That is amazing record. So I re- highly recommend that to professionals and to parents alike, uh, right. helping you get, get through this, the different stages of divorce. We're going to take a quick break to hear from our sponsor, the Center for Divorce Education. The Center for Divorce Education is an organization that provides separated parents with the tools and techniques necessary to navigate the difficult task of being a co-parent. They offer an online class called Children in Between, which can be completed from home in around four hours. To sign up for the class, visit divorce-education.com. Anyone who is co-parenting can benefit from the class, even if if it isn't court-mandated. If only one parent takes the class, it will still be beneficial to the relationship. 
Nearly half a million parents have taken this class in all 50 states and three foreign countries. Results from surveys have reported that 9 out of 10 parents say they would recommend children in between online to other parents. This course has been used and highly regarded by attorneys, judges, and clinical psychologists all over the nation. Sign up today on their website, divorce-education.com. If parents are frequently returning to court to fight, what can we do? to help them that's not going to cost thousands and thousands and thousands of dollars, right? Because this is when they're going down this litigation path. I mean, I'm assuming first we're going to get the good karma divorce book, right? But this stuff is crazy expensive and it just doesn't have to be. Yeah. Well, it's, it's things have changed a lot in the last 10 years. Now it's estimated that, uh, that in 70% of the cases that go to trial, at least one of the parents is representing themselves and sometimes both parents. So with the day where both parents have attorneys, they're in a minority now where both are both getting attorneys. So that keeps the cost way down. And, and, and there's more courts have really sophisticated self-help centers to help people go through this process. So they don't have to hire an attorney. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And, you know, there's an event, there's advantages to hire attorneys, particularly if they know the process, they tell you what's an, what's your realistic parenting plan. What's an, unrealistic parenting plan based on their experience can help help you beat the odds and come up with a more realistic parenting plan. But there are other attorneys that throw gasoline on the flames because, you know, they're going to be, they're going to make more money if there's a lot of litigation. Yeah, right. Or they may, exactly. they, they may, or they may truly see things in black and white terms that their client is, is completely in the right. And the other, the other party is completely in the wrong. Wrong. And so they're vigorously defending the client that they believe is completely in the right. And in some cases, yeah. you know, you can like domestic violence and parental alienation. It's easy to see how attorneys can get really, really caught up in this. You know, you have one parent who's, you know, like a character disorder, a sociopath, a narcissist. And, and no matter what the other parent does, they're making their lives miserable. And, you know, good attorneys can can help the parent with that. But but the expense of this is really going down as more and more people are representing themselves in the court. And a lot of court websites have self-help centers that give you a lot of really good information. Yeah, that's, I mean, I think that's so important. And also, you know, there's legal aid and there's, there's also, there are, there are options. Yeah. Mediation (laughs) is, mediation is very successful. Mm -hmm. Parents are much more satisfied who go to mediation than who go through a contested divorce with attorneys or with, contested, or even if they're representing themselves, they're more satisfied when they go to mediation. You have to give up things, you know, you have to compromise. That's the whole point. Right. You know, right. Get, that's, that's the whole point. <laughs> that's yes. the whole point. You got, you're more likely to get a, an agreement that's going to be lasting and you don't have to go back to court if each of you compromises and gives, gives up something that the other parent wants. Yeah, absolutely. I think a lot of people still think, and I and I know this because I have a Facebook group with thousands and thousands of women in it who, you know, someone will say, like, I finally had the conversation. What, what What's the next thing I do? And then, you know, 15 people will say, lawyer up. And I'll come in and say, no, <laughs> that is not the first thing you do at all, because lawyering up is immediately an adversarial response, right? Yes. If you do not want adversity in your process, lawyering up is not the first thing you do, right? Right. The first thing you do is take a breather and let your emotions process and, you know, go to therapy, hire a coach, like work through your shit, (laughs) right? 
That'd take a parenting, a co-parenting class, right. do, do the work to build your emotional intelligence and your resilience before you start any process. Yes. And uh, there's another legal route that people can go that's not going to like lead to an expensive contested divorce, and that is hire a collaborative law attorney. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. Th- those uh, attorneys are trained in, in mediation and compromise. They will not, if, if you can't reach agreement, they, they will not represent you and go to court. So there's no incentive no, for them to draw right, this out can't. and fight. Mm-hmm. They can't make any money if you don't reach an agreement and you want to litigate. Right. So, you, so yeah, they're if you decide to litigate, on, they can't, they can't, they legally can't represent you, right? It's they a, legally can't represent you. Right. And that's mm-hmm. getting much, much more popular. And I've had experience with collaborative attorneys and it was very pop, very positive. And I had a lot of trust. My, my wife, my ex-wife selected the, uh, the attorney and, uh, you know, I worked with him and I, I trusted him and it, it worked out really well. We had a, you know, a couple of sessions with him and he got through and had a, had a good agreement, which is, which has worked really well. And where she and I are, are very good friends. And my daughter is, our daughter is really grateful that her mother and I are good friends. Yes. My ex and I did collaborative as well. And it was, it was a long process. We had a whole team and you, you know, the good thing about collaborative is that you also have a mental health professional or coach on hand yes. who, when things get heated, they take you out of the room and they coach you and they help you and they help you do all of these skills. And then they bring you back in the room. Right. And it's, you know, you've got the financial person. I mean, it's a, it's a fabulous model. It's a really yeah. fabulous model. And same thing. My ex and I are great friends and it works. Yeah. Yeah. A lot of the, a lot of the collaborative attorneys will teach you, teach them some uh, parents, some communication skills as well as coaches will do that too. And parent coordinators will do that too. Yeah. But it's, it's much more efficient to use a program like ours, the online program, where you learn that you learn those skills by watching people use them in, in realistic videos yeah. and by coaching. We do some after, after people finish the program, we coach them by sending them text messages for six months after they're done with the program. And the text messages ha- prompt them to use the skills they learned in the program and even have little video clips that remind them of what the skills look like. And so for a six-month period of time, they're getting coached and using these skills. And that'd be very expensive if you had to meet with a parenting coordinator or a therapist or a collaborative attorney every time you wanted to start learning skills. Yes, yes. I think it's great. So, okay. So where is your where is your program available? Who can use it? Can they opt out of these other ones that are that are that we talked about in the beginning that are right. sort of detrimental and I mean if if how does how does it work does it it's is it state to state county to county how, how do we get everyone to use yours is what I want to know <laughs> the way they find it they you know they Google children in between and then it'll come up with it and they can they can no matter what county they're in they can take that uh, take that online program instead of going to um, an in person class. And, and then submit it to court. It's, it's unusual for courts to, to deny that, say, we're well, not going to accept this. If, if they deny it, we refund the parents' money. Actually, we refund the parents' money no matter what. If they ask for a refund, we give them to them. They don't even have to give us a reason. Right. And your, your course is incredibly reasonably priced, if I remember. Yeah, it's around, depending on where they live, it's around $50. I mean, guys, yeah. it's $50. Like it's insanely inexpensive. Yeah. And also if people have financial hardship, 
you also help people out with that. Well, right? we give it to them for free. Yeah. If they, yeah. if they get, if they get a, a fee waiver from the court because, of, because they're indigent, then we also give them, give them to them for free for that. So we don't want yeah. that the money to be an, a reason why they can't learn, learn these good skills and cooperate better. And uh, we're happy to give out lots of free grant, you know, for some areas like Detroit, tremendous number of parents get the program for free because there's a lot of poverty. Yeah. But since, since COVID more and more courts are accepting online programs because right. the parents don't want to go to a sit in a classroom. So right. that's, they, they can you know, then take our course and submit the, you know, submit the certificate to the court and that in the vast majority of cases, the court will accept that. And there's, there's a lot of large jurisdictions where our online course is the only course that's approved. It's the only course they take. You know, there's, there's a number of you know, cities where that's, you know, very, as Cleveland, you know, there's no in-person class. There's just our online course. That's true of a number of cities in Oregon. You know, Cook County is the, are the only online uh, course they've approved. So uh, if they, depending on where they live, they, they may, they're going to get exposed to the court anyway. Yeah, good. Okay. Here's, I would love to see every parent take your program because every divorcing parent and every parent probably, because I think it's important, really important skills. But in, but in particular, I would love to see the court's use yours as a recommendation. Cause I think it's the, I think it's the most, well, skills-based and not shaming, <laughs> right? Like it's actually helpful. Yeah. So I think I would love to see that happen for sure. Yeah. We, you know, we spent, we spent some time, you know, letting uh, uh, attorneys know that the court exists and letting, you know, courts know and uh, mediators know. So people refer to our program and, and, when a uh, when a divorce professional starts referring parents to our program, they tend to keep keep doing it because the parents give them feedback about how ho- helpful it was, and so they they keep doing it. So we're you know we're growing, but it's it's you know a podcast like yours will really help uh, people get to get the word out. I would be I probably wouldn't be working as hard as I am if there were some other really good courses out there, but there aren't. So it's a matter of just we keep on working to get the word out and. We have, Absolutely. Yeah, we have a pro. We also have a, a course for high conflict parents who go who litigate repeatedly. It's called High Conflict Solutions. It's also online. Oh, great! It's it parents who have problems with uh, interpersonal violence, with parental alienation. You know, children res- resist or refuse seeing another parent. Uh, that course is used a lot in those cases. And so, what and what what does that entail? What's, what's that's uh, it's the same structure as a as our uh, children in between course. As a matter of fact, the children in between course is the first half of that of the high conflict solutions course because the parents still need to know the the ways that they involve kids in loyalty conflicts. And then there's it's twice as long. It's an eight hour course instead of a four hour course. And so that there's there's a lot of situations showing very high conflict uh, video scenarios. And where they're using some more advanced skills and dealing with those really high conflict situations, and when we and we get, we go in into more depth about how the brain works because when we're talking about high conflict cases, both parents are triggered a lot. You know, their amygdalas right. are they're operating from their amygdalas quite often, and and their their children can be in the same room with them crying because of their stress, and they're not aware of it. They're simply yeah. not aware of what they can't see it because yeah. they're all they're in a fight or flight. Right. So, and these right. are, you know, people who are normally good, loving parents, and this includes most of us, 
we'll get into situations where we're doing really, you know, saying really horrible things to another person. And because we're just, we're not showing our better nature. We're not showing our sensitive side because we're triggered. And with, with practice, you can learn to back off being triggered and to calm down and take, as you mentioned before, take a break, go walk around the block, you know, get, say, I'll call you back in 10 minutes. You know, I can, I need to mm-hmm. think, think about something. Right. Yeah. Ugh. Absolutely. I'm glad that courses and, and you use some of, um, I think we talked about this a little bit, but you use some of um, Bill Eddy's BIF methods. Yes. Yes. In that, keep, you know, yes. Uh, keeping it, keeping it, uh, the communication uh, short and to the point and being yes. polite. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And those are fairly simple, pr- pretty simple methods to learn and use. Yes. Well, they're, <laughs> they're, they're simple. They're not easy though, <laughs> right? Well, because when you're triggered, right. when you're mad and when you want to respond, it's just, yeah, it's not, not easy. Yeah. But they are simple. But you know, there's general parents also benefit from learning how to calm themselves down. They can apply this self to all sorts of situations. They're worried about their jobs. They're worried about finances. You know, they're worried about, you know, conflict with a, with, with a relative, you know, one, one relative voted for uh, Trump and the other one voted for Biden and they, they have conflict with each other. You can use these skills in a lot of different situations to bring out your better nature. And I think these are like you mentioned earlier, it's kind of like life skills. You're going to be using these yeah. over and over again. Yeah, well, I mean, you know, what you're talking about is building emotional intelligence. Like yes. all of these, all of these skills are the building blocks of emotional intelligence. And we, we need them for every aspect of our life. Wow. All of the, all of us, yes. every one of us. Yeah. And we, we should be teaching it in schools, but yes. well, we are now, but. We are. Yeah. There's a lot of, a lot more programs on social emotional learning in schools. And we're, we're, yes. we're, bu- we're building a program for kids of divorce, an online program that does a lot of, uh, emotional literacy training, teaching children how to recognize and express their emotions and how to, and how to deal with unpleasant negative emotions. So they don't get stuck in a negative downward spiral. So this is so great. We've known, we've learned, we've learned so much more about how, how kids learn and how people learn and what benefits in the last 10 years. It's just amazing how much things have progressed. Incredible. You're you're getting this information out to, to mothers is so helpful. They're going yeah. to be able to do a much better job of, uh, of helping their kids and, and themselves. Yes, absolutely. So, all right. So where can everybody find you? Um, the Center for Divorce Education everywhere, right? Um, yeah, it's online. If, if they Google Center for Divorce Education or Google Children in Between, which is the name of the program. And if you're there, if they, they Google Center for Divorce Education, they can also find out about the high conflict program. Children in between, when you log into that, it asks you, it said, are you having a high conflict case? And you can get to it from children in between as well. So, Right. Good. And all of these links will be in the show notes for everybody else. Um, any final words of wisdom that you want to leave people with? I'd say going through divorce, you know, it's one of the, one of the most stressful things that happened to us in our lives. And you've got to be good to yourself. It's a really hard, hard thing to go through. You have to look for opportunities to be really kind to yourself, to take care of yourself. Get a, you know, get a massage, uh, go for a walk, be in nature and, and breathe and, and listen to the sounds and sights. Look for opportunities to take better care of yourself. Thank you so much for being here. I so, so appreciate it. Yeah, I look forward to getting the word out and 
having a lot more people take your course, I think it's really important. Thanks for tuning in to another episode of the Divorce Survival Guide podcast. If you like what you hear, head on over to Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen in and leave me a review. And don't forget to follow me on Instagram at the Divorce Survival Guide. I'll see you next time. And until then, remember, you, my love, deserve to be happy.